0: So we are going to the longest way of yeah. Yeah. Have more.
1: Chris, Um, Lord, we ask you to to bless our service tonight, Uh, Lord, we ask you to bless those that are watching or will be watching, will be listening, and uh, Lord, help us to tune in to you, Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Beneath the cross of Jesus.
2: Two of how to develop our commitment or how to develop our faith a little bit more, and this will probably be a, a shorter session, so we have a little bit more time for prayer and discussion and things like that. Um, but and most of the notes are covered. is everything we're going to talk about tonight. Pretty much, you know, once a year, doctor tells us we need a physical checkup. Checkup is a lot of us don't like to go. But the same thing is true spiritually. We need that checkup. So we have to ask ourselves at least once a year you know, how am I doing? Am I spiritually healthy? Is there areas that need correcting? Are there some things I need to address? You know, it's the same thing in each and every area. So I think I've, I've got access to a spiritual health assessment. I didn't put it out tonight. But we may do that next week and take some time to do it a personal and a church and just get your guys' input on a spiritual health assessment for each one of us individually and how you think or where you think uh, we are as a church. And Maybe that will help us learn some things next week. I, I, I'm debating that. But the very first thing we need to remember spiritual growth is practical. Spiritual growth is practical. We grow by developing those good habits. And those good habits are not always easy to develop. Uh, once we learn a bad habit, it's really easy to stay in that track break. Right? Uh, good spiritual habits help us grow, not only spiritually, but physically, mentally, and emotionally. They're basically building blocks of our character. You know, habits. They can be called disciplines, but habits and disciplines, they're vital to our spiritual growth. <clears throat> the Russian psychologist said second half of man's life is determined by the habits he acquired during his first half. <laughs> and that's very true. true. Very true. Might be. <laughs> well, that's because you to Jesus. Oh, yeah. The first half was hell, the second half is heaven. The third half
3: is going to be being in heaven. Yeah, there you <laughs> go.
2: First Timothy four seven says, "Take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit." It does take time. And sometimes it seems like trouble because it's work, and it's not a walk in the park. Some days, it takes time. It takes effort on our part to stay spiritually fit. We have to stay connected, like we talked about before. But God is the one who ultimately does the work in us. We have to make ourselves available for Him to do that work with And sometimes we can remove ourselves from the game, right? So we have to be careful. We have to do our part too, and we have to cooperate. And that's what He asks us to do. So there's some things here that that three things that I pulled out and I think are three very important things. They're not they're not that Absolute most important things, but there are three very important things. The very first one is you have to have a daily time with God. A daily time with God. Mark 1 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, and left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know what? That daily time with God, that quiet time that we have, that time of refreshing, renewal, whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it might be today, it helps us draw closer to God. And it helps us take on the right spirit and attitude for the day. You know, what's the old joke? Well, did you wake up grumpy this morning? No, i don't sleep.
4: Right? <laughs> if I had to get up early, I'd be grumpy. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: but we need to spend that first part of our morning remembering who God is. Remembering what he's done for us. And just just reconnected after that night's sleep. Sometimes we have a fifth night's sleep because we're thinking about things, worrying about things, trying to decide things, determine things in our mind. That oftentimes, we're going to talk about that a little bit Sunday. Never come into being. You know, we we spin our wheels and spend a lot of energy worrying and thinking about things that never happen. So it, it it sucks a lot of life out of us. The second thing is a weekly tithe to God. And I know there's a lot of controversy about this weekly tithe to God, but if you read 1 Corinthians 16 2, it says this. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encouraging one another, especially now at the day of His. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, wrong. I'm wrong. That's Hebrew. Sorry. Um, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of money you have earned. And that's in uh, 1 Corinthians 16. Faithfully giving back to God out of gratitude for what he's given us should be part of our daily life. It should be something we willingly do and are, are willing to do to encourage us to remember who really gave us what we have. It's just an encouragement. And the last one, the verse I was reading, we need a committed team, team for God. So you have a time with God, a tie to God, and a team for God. That team for God is spoken about in Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. And the more we look at things, the more we listen to things, if we watch the news or pay close attention to this stuff, uh, I try not to pay too close attention because I get really tore up. Uh, But it's there, and we're seeing closer and closer results to things that are coming as we draw closer to maybe our end time, personally, or maybe it's the world. It's really hard to discern, but it's, you know, it's getting closer for all of us. That team is a small group said last week, you don't have to know everybody in the church, but you need to know somebody in the church. We have to have a connection. A team of other believers can help you through some things in life that we really struggle with. When you need somebody to pray with, somebody to talk to, somebody to lean on, a small group of other individuals is a resource. They're helpers to help us make it through. And you, at some point, may be a resource for someone else to help them through in mind. It'll also keep us accountable and keep us on track spiritually. So, why are those things important? Well, let's think about this. A time with God involves my personal time. It takes time away from the world, if you want to put it that way. It's time we should be willing to give and ready to give so that we're not caught up in all the worldly stuff that's going on. A tithe to God always involves your money, of course. Now, some folks don't have a lot of money. Some folks will tithe not just in money, what they have, but they'll tithe in their talents and gifts and skills and abilities, and that's fine because you're still giving back to God, and you're giving back to God what you have to give. And then the last thing is that teamwork, that team for God, involves our relationships. And where did we say we learned love one another in those relationships that's the only place we can number five spiritual growth is relational it's all about relation listen we we can only grow in the community of others we talked about this a little bit last week we can't isolate and insulate ourselves from all other believers all the rest of the world because then you're not going to learn how to love them and as much as a lot of people don't agree or, or maybe think it's not important, this is simply on-the-job training for what we're going to be doing in heaven. It's on-the-job training for learning how to get along with one another, learning how to stay united, learning how to be part of a bigger family. And it's, it's really important, in my mind, it's imperative that we learn how to do this and do it the way God designed it, designed for us to do it. Um, I know some folks that say, I've got Jesus, I've got my Bible, I don't need anything else. I don't need anybody else. But that's not true. And we know better than that. Listen, you can't grow without a church family. You won't grow spiritually without a church family. You may get a lot of head knowledge, but you're not going to get a lot of practical, relational knowledge, or a lot of heart knowledge by trying to grow by yourself. It's just not you have to have that family knowledge. I just don't sit around it. Um, growth is all about love. Matthew 22, 37 and 39, from the New Living Translation, it says, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important: love your neighbor as yourself." You can't do that by yourself. It's physically impossible. Best way to grow is
4: in a community. We s- Question? Yeah, Mark. I was just I was just thinking, sitting here thinking about the four men that are in this room, actually five, including yourself, to get together every week and pray. And pretty soon we're we're learning how to care about each other and inquire about how things are going. And 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 helping each other in some big ways sometimes. That's the best way to learn how to love your neighbor, is to start in your own church. Yeah.
2: yeah I, 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 think that's, I think that's the way God designed it to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Hebrews 10 24 and 25 says, Let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and do good. Just like the one was saying. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, as some people are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. It's a little bit different translation. He says, don't give up the habit of meeting with one another because it's part of a vital spiritual discipline. He tells us that. There's three decisions that you can make that will help you grow. One of them is get in a small group. Get in that small group of people. You know, in, in a larger crowd, and we see it a lot of times, in a larger crowd, people can sneak in the back. And you guys don't always see it because your attention is focused on the praise team or on, on the pastor or on whoever's leading up here. But sometimes people come and sit in those back couple of rows. And the minute the service is over and we go to prayer, they're out, they're gone. And we don't always get to say hello or we get to greet them. But it's really important, if they're in that small group, if we can make contact with them, then we have more opportunity to say, hey, I saw you come in, I saw you leave real quick. <laughs> and, and are you okay? Is everything all right? You know, How's it going? And it never hurts just to call somebody and say, hey, you know what, I was thinking about you today. Can you prepare for something? You know, it, it. In a larger crowd, people can always get missed. That's the problem. Get a spiritual coach now what do I mean by that if you go if you're a professional athlete athlete or singer or or something like that you get a coach to help you meet your goals it's the same thing in spiritual life now here's the thing a spiritual coach for you doesn't have to be somebody that's going to know every deep and dark secret You allow that coach to help you spiritually move up the ladder as you intend to move up the ladder. You have to make sure it's somebody who you will allow to check up on you. You have to be willing to let them in to some of those areas of your life that you know you need somebody to check up. When you're weak and you need somebody to pray with you. When you're struggling with something, maybe you just need a shoulder to cry, Maybe you need somebody to celebrate with. That's a spiritual coach. And the third thing is be someone who will host a small group or be a spiritual coach. Now, here's the thing about either one of those. You only have to be one step ahead of the person behind you. I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, but all you need to do is reach your hand backwards and pull somebody up while somebody in front of you is pulling you up. That's what it's about. I think the best analogy i ever heard about Christian helping another Christian was this one beggar telling another beggar, or beggar where the bread and water of moderate life really is. And that's, that's the message we wanna get out to people. Where, where that bread of life really is. Sometimes we feel a little stagnant in our Christian life, like we're in some kind of holding pattern. You know, and church maybe isn't exciting as it used to be. I want you guys to think about something. One service, one class, one sermon, one conference is not going to fix that issue. Let me give you an example. I'm going to read this. What causes stagnation? I want you to think about what causes stagnation. It's taking a whole lot of stuff in and not giving anything out listen to this. In Israel, there's two great bodies of water. In the north, Israel, there's the Sea of Galilee, and in the south of Israel is the Dead Sea. The Jordan River connects the two. The Sea of Galilee is a beautiful lake. It's full of fish, teeming with life, flora, fauna, everything. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, has no life in it. That's why it's called the Dead Sea, in (coughs) Portugal. It's filled with so much salt and brine and mineral content that nothing can survive in it, nothing can live in it. What's the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea? The Sea of Galilee takes in water from the mountains and gives water out to the Jordan River that heads south that feeds the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea takes in the water from the Jordan River, but it has no outlet. There's nothing going out of the Dead Sea sits and stagnates. That's the problem. The Dead Sea. You'll become like the Dead Sea if you don't take stuff out. You can come to Bible studies. You can come to Wednesday night services. You can come to Sunday morning services. You can go to your small groups. You can go to big, great conferences. And if you keep taking in and taking in and taking in and you don't give anything back out, you become stagnant. And unfortunately, That will cause us to go into a holding pattern. It causes us to feel like we're not producing anything, because we're not. So we have to keep that in mind also. If you're just spiritually eating all the time, think about this. If you don't get any exercise, and you're just spiritually eating all the time, you're going to become bigger and bigger and fatter and fatter. That's where they get to turn holding rollers, by the way. (laughs) Sorry it's very very important that we have some output not just total input we have to put out if if we're going to become spiritually mature and we're going to become more and more committed part of that spiritual maturity and commitment is ministry and missions we have a mission to fulfill we have a ministry if you're not sure what it is, we'll help you figure it out. But you know what? We each one have spiritual gifts and talents and abilities and skills, and we need to be using those to serve one another and serve God's kingdom and then the rest of the world. Number six, spiritual growth is multidimensional. dimensional We have to practice all five functions of the church that we've been talking about. It's imperative for spiritual growth. You need more than Bible study. You need more than worship. You need more than just fellowship. You need more than ministry, discipleship, and missions. You need a balance of those things to be moving forward in spiritual growth. A lot of churches are really good at two or three, and they're weak at one or two others. And that's the norm, I mean it's not its not bad, it's just the norm. What needs to take place is you need to come along and you need to fine tune those ones that you're weaker at and work and learn how to do that what's better and put those more into practice so that you get a more even balance. Scripture tells us this in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 and 22 and 37. We are to love the Lord and the others. He tells us that. Listen, you, go, you grow warmer through fellowship, deeper through discipleship, stronger through worship, broader through ministry, and larger through missions. The church body does too. In discipleship, what do we learn in discipleship? We learn the truth of how God wants us to grow. Part of that's taking place on these Wednesday nights. Part of it's learning how to be committed. Part of it's learning about spiritual maturity. All those things are different. In evangelism, we get the opportunity to share God's truth with other people. In ministry, we apply that truth. We learn how to apply that truth to show other people, to be an example to other people. And in fellowship, in fellowship, we're held accountable to God's truth. That's a touchy one. Because a lot of us don't want to be held accountable. And then in worship, we express appreciation for God's truth. It all ties back to God's truth. Listen, if you go to the gym <coughs> and you have a trainer and you have a weak, let's say you have a weak knee like I do. You got a bum knee. Right? They're going to work on that knee to strengthen that knee so you can, Go more and do more on what you need to do. They focus on the weaknesses. They help you with your whole body, but they focus on that weakness. To strengthen that weakness so that you'll get stronger overall. It's just like if you lose your core strength. It's hard to get up, get around, and do things. You know, We have to remember that it's necessary. We don't like to work on weaknesses sometimes because it makes us feel bad. We feel like we failed feel like we have fallen. whatever it might be but we have to be willing to work on the weaknesses along with working on the strong ones number seven spiritual growth is seasonal seasonal there's been some controversy about this with people with me when we talked about this in the past but let's read ephesians 4:15 and 16 version. instead we will speak the truth in love Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It's important we remember that. It'll help remove a lot of guilt if we understand that. There's times in life that. We're gonna grow in spurts, spiritually. Now, how, how does that happen? Let's think about nature, how nature works, how our kids work, how God works, and the overarching view of all the things that we really think about. It. Nobody grows at a constant pace all the time. Nothing does. You remember your adolescence? You remember the couple of summers you grew two or three inches in a summer? All of a sudden, you shut up. That's what they're talking about. Spiritual growth comes in spurts also. Plants, do plants grow constantly? No. Typically, they have a time of hibernation, a time of, let's, let, let's take a tree, all right? A tree grows most when? In spring and summer. Fall and winter, they start to lose their leaves, they start to hibernate a little bit. On the surface, it looks like they're dying out, nothing's happening, right? But what's really happening under the ground? Those root systems are growing. If they have adequate water and adequate sunshine, everything's taking place out of sight where you don't see it. It's the same way with us in our spiritual growth. Stuff is happening sometimes when we feel like we're, nothing's happening, but there's stuff happening inside. There's stuff happening deeper down to make us grow spiritually. Our our spiritual growth comes in spurts also. Some of you might right now feel like you're going through a spiritual winter or a spiritual fall. Maybe things aren't happening as fast as you think they should. Or maybe you think certain uh, uh, situations are not happening the way they should in your life or in maybe the life of the church or something else. But you know what? There's a lot of stuff that happens that a lot of people don't always see in your life and in the life of the church and in a lot of other places. Stuff is always happening with God as a boy. You need to remember that. A plant deepens its roof in the fall and winter so it can grow and blossom in the spring and summer. How do you know when you're going through that winter or that fall season before spiritual growth? Usually, it looks like things are pretty dull. It looks like things are sort of boring. It looks like nothing's really happened in your life. And you wonder, okay, where is God in all this? But I guarantee you, he's there, he's working. It's just that you may not be seeing, and you may not even be feeling it. What's the key? The key is to keep on doing the spiritual habits that you know you need to do prayer, quiet time, all the things that you have been practicing beforehand, when you're going and having spiritual growth physically, externally, you still have to do those things. We have to live by faith, not feelings. It's interesting because I had three conversations already in the last four or five days with people that have a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling going on. but there's not a lot of faith in some of the things I'm here. So it always makes me wonder, you know, is there other things going on in our lives that we need to be watching? maybe even memorize, so that when we get in those spiritual growth places that we don't feel like we're moving forward, we can remember this. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. What's the ultimate goal of Christian life? be like to- To be like jesus that's our ultimate goal right we want to become more and more like jesus each and every day each step of the way why because we're going to share everything that he shares when we get to heaven right so we we want to let jesus live inside of us and basically take control listen i want you to i want you to really understand this it's not imitation it's not looking at what scripture tells us is in that Jesus did and us imitating it. It's in habitation. It's Jesus living in us and us living out through him. Us living our life with him because of he is in us. Can you force yourself to be kind and patient for very long? admit that God I need you to help me love other people Jesus I need you to help me be kind considerate I need you to help me in all instances of my life when the proverbial analogy is when all hell is breaking loose around me I need you to be in charge not me and see that's where a lot of people get caught up it's not about what we want it's not about what I want. It's about what's necessary according to God's word and what's taking place with God. Sometimes it's within us that stuff is taking place. Sometimes it's in somebody else. And we don't always know that. So the thing we need to do is have grace because we don't know the sack of rocks that somebody else is towing. right? I don't remember. First Peter 2.24 said, Christ himself carried our sins in his body to the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. It is by his wounds that we have been healed. Listen, the the cross did two things for us, two specific things. First, it freed us from having to pay the price of our own sin. That's a a great aspect. Why? Why? Jesus paid the price for all those sins, Past, present, and future. We've talked about that before. But the second thing it does is it gives us power for living. It gives us power to move forward past all this craziness that we're living in the world right now. It strengthens us. It encourages us. But we have to stay connected to it in order to gain that strength and have that courage to move forward. It's, we're not going to get it any other way. So here's what I want you to do, sort of as homework this week, in preparation for the spiritual uh, growth assessment, next because I'm pretty sure we're going to do that, our spiritual health assessment, okay? I want you to write down one area that you think you're doing extremely well in. And you can just put it on the tail end of these notes. And I want you to write down one area that you know you need. Where are you out of balance in your life? Where are you really spiritually strong and you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you can move forward with that particular <coughs> function? And where do you know you're weak? Maybe it's your parallel. Maybe it's your evangelism, whatever it might be. But out of those five functions that we talked about, the worshiping, the magnification, the evangelism, all those things that we talked about in the past five or six weeks. Where are you strongest? Where are you strongest? Okay? Because that would help you a little bit with that spiritual health assessment. Questions, thoughts? Like you said, this wasn't going to be a very long one. We have to go by that old analogy you know, we need to grow. Some folks that let us still into their home. There's not a lot (laughs) right now, unfortunately. Uh, The visitors that we're getting, uh, we've done faith, which is evangelism training, and we've done uh, numerous projects and programs. Um, We haven't done anything in about three and a half. As far as big outreach events, our outreach events are typically uh, put together with like community events. The car show that brought in some people for the event, but it didn't bring a lot of people into the church. Uh, Harvest Fest, which was a big alternative to uh, Halloween, Halloween. Halloween. <clears throat> that brought in a lot of kids, a lot of parents, but it was a one afternoon evening event it brought a lot of folks in but it didn't bring a lot of folks into the church there's, there's other avenues that we're looking at um, I think that's one of the areas we are probably weakest in right now uh, I would say probably discipleship is the next one but we're working on some avenues to put together some things to help alleviate some of those things I just don't know how quickly they'll be because part of the issue is we need people to to be in charge and people that are willing to go and leadership and enlistment team when they ask a lot of people to fill particular positions for this upcoming year this year and this upcoming year uh, they struggled in having some people say yes and we had several people step down from positions that they held for numerous years because they needed the right and, and i understand that i fully understand but you know, if you don't have the manpower to run the programs, or you don't have a leader to run the program, that becomes an issue. Yeah, yeah, it becomes an issue. So, um, but I, there's some things I think we could put into place that would alleviate a lot of that. It's just getting the manpower to get out there. And do it. Yeah. Somebody else had. <laughs>
1: Excuse me. Okay, oh, you were talking. About- Spiritual growth is relational. And uh, I think it's so important that we all realize that we need to be accountable. And uh, I think a lot of people kind of flee the uh, flee that for whatever reason, you know, maybe they're shy, uh, maybe a whole lot of reasons. And so, and I knew a particular pastor in the past who and he would not get together with other pastors, which I thought that was devastating to him. Or, you know, and I spoke to him about it and he just, he didn't do it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like every pastor needs to, in some way or another, get together with other pastors. And it's just like, you know, other people in leadership. And they, they need to suggest. Yeah, they need to, need to have that ability
2: we're very, we're very fortunate in the fact that there's, actually, uh, the state association office contacts us about every four to six weeks to make sure that we as a church, as a body, are, are doing okay. We don't need anything. Uh, the associational office, the County Baptist Association, they contact us. John Gill calls about every six to seven weeks to make sure that we're okay. Need anything and those guys must compare notes because they sort of call in between each other so that they're not you know doubling up or anything but uh, and there's two other pastors that, that are, uh, call and check on me and, and make sure that we don't need some kind of extra support or whether it's financial um, and, and we've had I mean the state offices said they can help us financially if we need it which we haven't needed it um, God's blessing <laughs> There's a lot of things that, I, I don't really know what we need right now other than to keep moving forward and to strengthen those. You know. Do we need workers? Always. Do we need volunteers? Always. But we have to put some things in place. And it's like I said, I, I think I told you guys, I don't think it was a whole congregation. Or maybe I said it in one of the small groups I believe that God will start blessing with more people coming in when we are more prepared to receive more people. I mean we, we, we need those individuals who are going to come alongside those individuals that are coming in and help mentor them in discipleship be willing to uh, and, and I know Larry has volunteered and a couple other people have volunteered to be altar counselors some other things that we need to make sure that we have the basis covered before he can send more people in. You know, we don't want to do it haphazardly. We want to do it as best as possible. But we have to have the manpower to do it. Okay. So let me just real quick remind you a couple of things. The things that we've talked about this week and last week in regard to spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is intentional. We said that first it's an incremental. It's, you know, do you really have a long-term plan for your spiritual growth? Do you have one mapped out for yourself? Personal. Uh, it's personal. How do I learn better to listen, to read, to discuss, and be prepared in my journey of spiritual growth? It's practical. And we covered tonight that it was practical, multi-dimensional, seasonal, Incarnational, and it was uh, necessary.
4: Another question, um I'm just sitting here wondering: uh, Are we going to cover the fact that it's change, that spiritual growth is change, and how are we going to combat that as a church? If that's what our 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 goal is is to grow spiritually, and I agree completely with the goal. But how many people in a church that is my age and older are going to accept that change, and how can we oh, help well, them I see along? What say. Yeah, the change is. The <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's something we have to tackle individually with each person. Um, I think it was Beth that, or someone that told me a couple of weeks ago that, or maybe it was Mary, said when they went to a, a, another church one time uh, and, and they, they welcomed them and they were came a first a new believer, they handed them a, a, a packet and said, there you go, you're on your own. You know. And it was like Well, they might have handed you some discipleship material, but if they don't have somebody to help you walk you through it, you know, you may not ever open it. So, but the change itself, that's something that a lot of people need somebody to help them with, help them through. They need, I I think a lot of times we need guidance, we need support, we need encouragement. Sometimes we need to be held accountable in those things. I know when we were doing some of the discipleship programs that we did here earlier on, uh, a lot of people wouldn't do it. need to be because exactly what you're saying. They, they, as they started reading it, they started realizing, oh, I'm gonna have to change. I'm gonna to have to give some things up. I'm gonna have to start realizing, you know, doing some other things. It's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do, but we had to, con- convey to them and convince them that change is worth it. You know, you you have perceived things and you have real things. We have to make the perceived things reality for those that can't see the reality. Because what do we, what do we talk about when we talk about spiritual matters with other people? What's faith? What's the essence of faith? What scriptures say faith is? Faith is
5: substance of things. Say it again, Joy. I was trying to remember the wording. Me too. The fact. Me too. Not Me too. substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The
2: evidence of things not seen. Where do we get? Are they going to see it as an unbeliever or as a brand new believer? Probably not. So what's what's our responsibility and and our privilege and honor, but also our responsibility and obligation is to help them see what they can't see. Help them understand what they can't understand. It's an ongoing process. Do we struggle with that individual each day? You betcha. (laughs) But it's necessary that we also see it, like I said. Put your hand back to the person behind you and you pull them up and the person in front of you pulls you. You just have to be a couple of steps ahead.
4: Jack. I think we're on a season, bad, a bad season because there's so much going on, and so many people are so busy that they don't want to stop what they're doing and make that change. <laughs> you know, I mean I think that's a lot of things. It's
2: hard. It's hard to stop doing what you want to do and move
4: out and do something. Take that step forward and try
2: something. It is. Um, It's funny because I was taken to task last week, the end of last week, about the lack of people coming to church and the lack of growth within the church, our body. I said, well, we've been blessed with these individuals that have come and these individuals that have joined, and you know, some, some others are attending, but they haven't joined yet. I've rattle off 10 or 12 people. And they said, well, that's not real growth. And I said, okay, well, I said, according to what I have read recently, all churches are in decline. Doesn't matter what denomination, doesn't matter what it is, they're, they're in decline. A lot of it exactly what you were talking about and what Warren was talking about. There's concern for the change, people are stuck, they're tired, they don't like the situation we're in economically, politically, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The real issue is the ones that are coming up in years from middle school to high school, they're not getting well grounded, they're not getting taught what they really need to be taught. So, when it comes time, they are, as parents, we may drag them to church. But once they get out of high school, phew, they're typically out here. They won't stick. So, if that's happening in churches all across America, what's the answer? I don't know. I don't. Because there are a lot of churches that are trying a lot of different things. And for the most part, they're really struggling to keep their young people in there.
4: Mitch? I think it might be for a medical in that uh, the great falling away. It could be.
2: Part of the great falling away could be started. You know, that 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 unfortunately is, and, and somebody reminded me, uh, <coughs> friend of mine. He's a chaplain. He said, you know what? If we're not entering the end days, the setup is coming for the end days. So I thought, feel free to call I give them my typically give my email address and the church phone number and I said you know just call uh, the church secretary if I'm not here take the information and we'll be back to you as quick as possible. Sometimes they call that's how that's how some of the people came in and, and joined actually um, sometimes they don't. I had I had one couple come from another church and basically they were interviewing us over here before they decided to join. And we met three times before they
5: joined. But they did join. Our Monday night group is studying Isaiah. Uh Wow. The prophetic things that he he
0: told them back then still applies today. Really the world hasn't changed all that much. (laughs) And the warnings from Isaiah to what will happen to those who fall away who don't follow god who don't stay strong with god are incredible and so i think a lot of what we're seeing is a lot of what isaiah prophesied yeah. Thank uh, you. You know, things aren't going to get better for those people but we are going to get uh, as believers we aren't going to be immune to what happens to the rest of the world we will suffer not because we've done anything
2: wrong but the, the situation yeah, don't, don't and the <laughs> I'm, closer, I'm sorry I haven't read it yet so no I didn't <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't got it because you won't get to it the, <laughs> the outline because huh. that's the next church we're, we're hitting is the suffering church yeah. <laughs> other questions <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah Joy
5: the movie that uh, we watched years ago about the end times um get the name of it right now, but the the rapture and things that happened uh-huh. after that, um, one of the girls, the young girl that was the main girl in the story, when they started really having persecution and everything, and they said if you don't serve, you're going to get killed or whatever, and she said to her dad, dad, I think I need to go get in line. That really impressed me. There aren't any of us that I know that want to get in line and have our head chopped off just to prove that we're serving God. We're, we just don't want to get in line.
3: You
5: know? yeah. We just assume try to hide or you know do something else. But that was so impressive to me. She said, "I'm going to have to get in line."
2: It, 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 there may come a day, and, and again, I'm stealing some of my own. There may come a day when we, like some of the other Christians around the world, are gonna face intense persecution. Right now, we don't. Us to live in the United States, what's the biggest persecution we face?
5: Somebody doesn't think good of us. There you go. That's, that's,
2: or you know, they talk bad about us, yes. slander us a little bit, right? That's, that's some of the toughest persecution we typically face. That in mind, and we need to keep those in other countries that are facing intense persecution in our prayers all the time. Um, Let's go to prayer. Um, Any praise as a prayer request? Larry, Larry had a comment. Larry had a comment. Persecution, because it's it's starting with the kids in school. They're being indoctrinated, and that's part of the reason they're not staying in church, even if they're going to church pretty much, is that they're 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 faced they're afraid to face the persecution that's going to come because they don't go with the crowd, and that's, that's pretty pretty accurate. That's why they won't. Probably part of why they won't stay. Prayer question.
5: Praises. <laughs> my my brother-in-law is dying, and I'm going to go up and see him this
0: weekend, probably for the last time. His name's Rick, so if you guys can pray for him. Not really sure of his spiritual condition. He says he knows the Lord, but
5: not a whole lot of evidence. So. Yeah, Rick and his
2: wife came. mentioned i don't know how many of you heard uh Sandra scott's in the hospital with covid uh, they had to put her on oxygen she's not doing well at all uh, Tamlin, do you have an update on that uh no not right now i hope okay. that's about all i've heard is that she's in there and who else had covid I don't okay david does not have covid I spoke with him today. Um, it's, it's some kind of upper respiratory infection, but it's not COVID. So that's that's good. So who'll pray for David? Uh, Linda.
0: Yeah, I'll pray for David, but I also want to ask for uh, prayer for Danny. Danny,
2: what what happened with him? <laughs> I know he I know he got hurt or something. But what
0: happened? Um, he was lifting something he probably shouldn't have, but. It wasn't more than 20 pounds, whatever. Um, and he got a pain in his gut and in his back. And some people say it went right to his head. He got a headache, too. But um, I didn't hear about that until today. So I don't know. Um, I took, put ice on it. And we also used a laser from Mr. Berry. And uh, it's off and on. And I'd like it to go away, because I want to leave town on Friday night. <laughs> 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 and he is. He has a, this is the week, that's the other part of my prayer request. This is the week that both of his brothers died a year ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, well, within 10 days of each um, So it's a very rough time for him. So part of me says that part of his internal stressors is just thinking about that. Yeah. Um, but he could have, I said, by the fact an ice pack took it all away, before I could drive from Grant and the freeway to Northwest Hospital. I'm praising God for the answer to prayer. And I'd like it to stay way.
2: You pray for David. Somebody else be thinking about praying for him.
0: Father God, we pray so much that you will listen to prayers of these folks and that father, as we bring David before you, Lord, that you know the situation he's in and the stresses that he has because of it. Father, this uh, disease process um, just is rampant, and whether it's factual or whether it's not, in someone's heart and in their lungs, they, uh, they can make themselves feel worse than they are. And Father, you know you are the great physician, and taking those stressful things away to... looking to you, we just ask, Lord, that you'll again re- remind him that there are a lot of people that are praying for this well-being, and that we know, Lord, that you can indeed give him the strength to go day-to-day and live for you. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Thank you. We'll
2: pray for Danny, his back injury.
5: I pray that you will comfort comfort him, Lord, as he thinks about his brothers who went home to be with you last year and bring him that comfort. And Father, I pray that whatever else may be going on with him, or he got hurt, I pray, Lord, that you will heal him completely. I pray that he and Linda will be able to go on their holiday this weekend and enjoy the time away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Anyone else? I got a little bit of praise with my mom. She was sitting up in a wheelchair when I got there today. And she said she ate most of her chicken last night, which means she's eaten something now 10 days later. So that's a good sign. She said she ate something. So we'll see if she ate dinner tonight <laughs> and see how she feels. Anyone else? Yes? Yeah. Last song. I think, this, I'm going to challenge you. Yes. Wonderful Matchless Grace of Jesus next week. <laughs> oh, okay. Wonderful Matchless Grace of Jesus. You look it up. Miss Elaine yes. knows how to play it. Yes, sir. The men sing one. Yep. The women sing one. Yeah. The men sing one. Yep. The... You think time. about it. All <laughs> We gotta jazz this up a little bit, brother.
3: Hallelujah.
1: Well you know this song right here, I am thine, O Lord, it's like a personal testimony. And if you sing it and if you believe it, then that should not only take a hold of your mind, but take a hold of your heart. Don't, Requests of uh, the various different ones that are having uh, difficult issues or uh, nearing the end of their life on this earth. Lord, we ask you to be with uh, all of them. Lord, we ask you to be with those that are struggling with uh, different uh, sorts of uh, physical issues. Um, Lord, most of all, We ask you to be with those that are uh, wondering uh, how to uh, make the decision for you. Lord, that's the most important thing. And Lord, we ask you to be with each one. Help us to have a a good, safe trip home and uh, um, watch the ground to make sure it doesn't move. In Jesus' name.
3: Have a good evening everyone.